Vince, there's something I need to tell you. It, it's going to be hard for you to hear. What is it, Gloria? You know you can tell me anything. The following program may contain material that is not appropriate for all audiences. Damn you, Gloria. Damn you. Table, dude, it's me. It's me. Who? Simon, I'm... I'm playing you. How come I can hear you? Well, it's a mod. Gamers can't talk to cons. I know. Fucking unbelievable. This is amazing. It's cool, yeah? No, it's not cool. Pay attention to the fucking game. I got it, I got it. What are you, 12? I'm 17, actually, thank you. How am I not dead yet? So I'm a badass motherfucker. Smith, a live World Link Tonight exclusive. This motherfucker is off the charts. You realize you could buy the network. Yeah, why would he? Son of a bitch pulls in 650 million pay-per-views for a single broadcast. Going live. Five, four, three, two, one. First, there was society, the ultimate sim environment, where players don't control virtual animated characters, but actual living breathing human beings. They walked them, they talked them, they juiced them, they rocked them. Rickety-dickety-doo. We had that on t-shirts back in 2010. The creation of reclusive genius Ken Castle. Who is Ken Castle? Society took the world by storm, becoming the number one guilty pleasure of billions. You can get paid to be controlled, or you can pay to control. And generating one of the world's largest private fortunes, surpassing Bill Gates practically overnight. <laughs> Nine months ago, Castle unveiled a new simulation. One that would take gaming to new heights of thrilling excess. And controversy. Slayers. Slayers. If society let us live through others, Slayers could let us die through others. Slayers gives the gamer full control of a flesh and blood human being in full scale kill or be killed combat. And when we say flesh and blood, we mean flesh and blood. Welcome to Exposition Street, celebrating geek movies in all their splendiferous glory and a presentation of Prismatic Tsunami. My name is Eric. Thank you much for joining us for this week's episode of our uh, prismatic film cast as usual if there's anything you'd like to add anything you'd like to request we uh, take a gander at maybe talk about on the show definitely drop us a line feedback at prismatic is the best way to do that that's feedback at prismatic you can also drop by our discord servers and chat with us there we'll uh, we'll be happy to entertain your uh, commentary until you really piss us off 
I'm going to go ahead and uh, introduce the, uh, uh, oh, what are they called? The panel. Introduce the panel to get us started. And uh, I may have had a little much uh, cocaine tonight, so bear with me. He is a tactical killing computer. His only vulnerability is the ping, the delay between his logic centers misfiring and the puns flying out of his mouth. It's Richard. The lag is literally killing me. <laughs> And the rest of us. Uh, she pretty sure letting Dexter breach your firewall will invalidate every warranty you've ever had. It's Vanessa. Yes. Yes, it will. <laughs> kind of thought you'd feel that way. Yes. It's like kibbles and bits, chunks, pieces everywhere. Yes. But will it waffle? It's Jason. <laughs> <laughs> but they're people. They're real people. So, yes. Soil <laughs> waffle? And oh, finally, no. pure crystallized horror. Two stories high and bathed in bloody red. He is what they want. It's the kid. Hello, party people. Way to bring it down, dude. Don't sound too excited, man. <laughs> Tonight, in episode number 77 of, uh, of uh, what, what the hell is the name of this show? Exposition <laughs> Street. <laughs> Street. We're talking about <laughs> Death Race 2000. No. Oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> Wrong notes. Let me get... Completely wow. different movie, man. Um, oh, here, get called out. The Running Man. The Running Man. Oh, no shit. No, That's not no, an idiot. Newer. Newer. Gamer. <laughs> but thanks for running down movies September I like. 4th, 2009. Rated R. Runtime of one hour and 35 minutes. In a future mind-controlling game, Death Row convicts are forced to battle in a Doom-type environment... I like that description. Convict Cable, controlled by Simon, a skilled teenage gamer, must survive 30 sessions in order to be set free. Uh, wow. <laughs> Holy shit. Whose recommendation was this? I'm this, trying to remember. This, this was mine. This might have been Vanessa's call, right? Okay. Okay. We'll talk about it. We're going to talk about <laughs> it. That's what we're here to do. So we're here to do. So this is the uh, the beginning of the year when we give everybody a chance to pick a movie. Everybody in the cast a chance to pick a movie, and uh, with a limited veto from anybody else for that particular selection. We haven't been doing any of that, and that's appropriate. You can pick something off genre. We usually stick to genre films, or uh, you know, like sci-fi or or fantasy films, or you know, whatever superhero stuff, cult classics, you know, cult movies, whatever. Um. This really does fall pretty much in that wheelhouse. I mean, it's got that very dystopian kind of quality to it that um, already is something we probably could have landed on the schedule anyway. Yeah, but at the same <laughs> time, I figured it'd be hard to land on the schedule. It's not streaming very often, and even when it does, it doesn't stick around for very long. So I was just like, nope, this is my pick because it's on now. <laughs> well, I, I had some mixed feelings about this part. It was written and directed by Mark Neveldine and Brian Taylor. This is the uh, crew that brought us Crank. Crank High Voltage. <laughs> how, how ridiculous is that one of those movies was actually not terrible. Are you sure? And the other, which was a carbon copy of the first movie, was pretty much one of the worst fucking things I've ever seen. It, it was pretty bad, yeah. <laughs> I don't understand what happened. Uh, they also directed Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, which I've never seen. Actually, I've never watched You're this. You're not seeing anybody right else. <laughs> <laughs> which um, means it's definitely one we should do on the show. Actually, I I watched it. Uh, well, there goes that theory. And uh, they wrote Jonah Hex. Oh. Which I haven't seen either. But So, 
their resume sucks. I will admit that one of the one of the reasons I never got around to seeing Jonah Hex was because the word on the street was "Wow, don't." Yeah, pretty. And much. I don't usually listen to the word on the street a lot, but yeah, it was it was pretty loud. When everybody's saying it. So it's also one we should watch, obviously. Uh, <laughs> music from uh, Robert Williamson, um, who we know from not much at all. And uh, Jeff Zanelli, who did things like Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, uh, Beleficent, Mistress of Evil, Christopher Robin. We, yeah, Beleficent we did here on the show, didn't we? Was Mistress yes. of Evil the first one, or is that, was that the second Maleficent we didn't do? I don't Maleficent. Know. Mistress of Evil is the second one. Okay, so uh, I think we did one. the first one. But yeah, I mean, so I mean, that there's a musician, there's a composer with some pedigree. Uh, music in this movie <laughs> fucking killed it, man. Oh, <laughs> this was great. I forgot how many of these songs made it to my playlist after watching it the first time. <laughs> I loved it, and I still love um, them. And and you know, it's it's funny when I saw a Doom type uh, environment in that description that I read. The music was the first thing that took me there. Seriously, even though the you know the original Doom games I played were um, sadly MIDI files <laughs> that weren't comparable in the least, there's a certain quality to them that fits. And to be fair, in the description, it says that the convicts are forced. The convicts volunteer for this. That's true. Uh, volunteer. Yeah, it's a gray they, area. They volunteer. They are told that they That's have a the chance to get That's the official line. Out. Yes. None of them said otherwise. So let's talk about our star, uh, God, Gerard Butler. This mm-hmm. man is one of those action stars who was right on the right on the edge for a long time. You know, it's like he was becoming recognizable. He wasn't quite a household name, but he was right there, right at the edge of it. He was never going to be an A-lister, but he got so close, you know. He actually, I mean, he had such a good run. I say had like he's not around anymore. I don't know what he's done lately. Uh I think the first place I saw him was in Reign of Fire in 2002. Have we ever talked about doing that movie? Because that is... I don't think so. Exactly no, but we totally kind of should. I mean, I mean, on a, on a scale of 1 to 100, I rate him about a 300. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was in there, too. <laughs> so Reign of Fire was in 02. Uh, he was in the second Tomb Raider movie, uh, Lara Croft Tomb Raider Cradle of Life in 2003. He was in Timeline in 2003, which is actually the first place I remember taking notice of him because his character in that was actually really charming and really cool. But he wasn't like yeah. the lead, right? Paul Walker was the lead in it, basically. And so I really liked him. You know, it kind of stuck with me. But uh, Phantom of the Opera, where he played the, the titular character yeah. uh, in 2004, was the place where he got a lot of our attention for good or ill, you know? And he actually, I mean, I don't know. We've we've got some really serious um, musical theater nerds here in our group, so I, I'm not sure necessarily where the Gerard Butler stands in that particular. Oh, I watched that movie on repeat for days. <laughs> I mean, I'm a fan. It's 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 always the that thing, right? It's like, well, he's no blank and. and to be fair, he's this- not necessarily typecast either. Each of his characters are unique. That's true. He's doing a lot of different stuff. The 300, the one you just mentioned, where he plays Leonidas. Man, so what a great role. 
What an intense role. I can't I mean, remember if I actually saw that or just saw so many memes about it. I think I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> the movie actually felt a little bit like a meme come to life in some ways. A lot, ways. yeah. It was, it was one a good of those, movie. I enjoyed it, but yeah. It was one of that series of kind of surreal action, you know, mythos kinds of movies like that. It was like half that. Like, cartoon, half yeah. live action that I couldn't quite put my finger on. It was weird. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Fair. A lot of it was in the backgrounds. The way they built kind of like the scenery structure, the setting and stuff felt very artificial, but it wasn't any one thing necessarily. Their abs uh, were CGI'd on. <laughs> you, were they? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't remember that, but it doesn't surprise me. Well, how good was that CGI? Hmm, let me try. Yeah, not bad. Uh, 300 came out in 2006, and nobody stopped talking about it for years. Uh, Rock and Rolla came out in 08. That was a Guy Ritchie film. Ugly Truth was in 2009, the same year as this. I love the fact that he did a rom-com the same year that he did this movie. Oh, God. You talk about range, right? No kidding. And I'm trying to remember if that one was like with, I was like Catherine Heigl or somebody like that. It was actually a kind of a terrible movie. but And then Olympus Has Fallen came out in 2013. I know that was the beginning of a small series of those. Like London Has Fallen, Somewhere Else Has Fallen. I mean, and I, I remember watching that one. It was just, I, I really enjoyed it. But a very kind of generic action flick, you know, is what it is. Um, I thought he was, I thought he was fine in this. This was actually a really kind of demanding role in a lot of ways, despite the fact that the uh, dialogue wasn't necessarily where it was at, you know? Uh, I still like it. <laughs> we know. Yeah. I mean, it's a morality tale at the end of the day, so. Most and again, disco- dystopian, you know? Yes. It, you know, look at what society could be left unchecked kind of thing. And the that message in here is actually something. It's like, there's there's this kind of question of how much do I really want to dive down this rabbit hole, especially for a show like this, because <laughs> that rabbit hole is just yawning and waiting to talk about things like society. This was Black and, Mirror before Black Mirror was a thing. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> right. And this, it, is, this and is a long so, episode of Black Mirror. Yeah. So amazingly compelling in that one respect, if nothing else. But again, you know, how much time you guys got? I mean, <laughs> that's. That's a serious rabbit hole. Uh, Michael C. Hall as King Castle, who we just heard a little bit of in that opening clip, um, which surprised, I mean, always surprised me to hear him in this because the, uh, the drawl, kind of the, the southern accent, Texas accent or whatever they had him doing. And Threw me off at the just, time that I first mm. saw this because I was all about Dexter and he yeah. decidedly does and not have it in that. When this came out, Dexter had already been on the air for a couple, three years. The Dexter ran from like 06 to 2013. Something like that, yeah. And I mean... Dexter was a very compelling role. Oh, it was yeah. a character you just couldn't help but zone in on, unless you just hated the show, of course. The show had uh, a It got, it got weird after a few seasons, <laughs> but yeah. And before Dexter, he was, uh, what, Dave Fisher in Six Feet Under. I mean, he, he, you know, for like, that ran from like 01 to 05. Also very quirky, interesting, a little macabre, you know. Good stuff. Uh, but yeah, he was great in this. I, I, I expected to see him do more of this kind of stuff after this, really. I mean, and Dexter is a villain, but he's our anti-hero villain, right? Whereas this guy was just a straight-up villain. He, he was, was a, a creep. psychopath. Yeah. Mm. Terrible, terrible. A psychopath terrible. or sociopath? Yes. Yes. Uh, really well. Sociopath. Yeah. But okay. I guess probably better. His song and dance uh, routine was pretty impressive. 
It was. <laughs> that I was. enjoyed the that shit out of that, that scene. That might have been my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> That's so funny. I uh, just and I remembered it's one of the few things I remembered about the movie going back into it because I, I I mean I saw this. I mean, I didn't see it in the theater. I, I didn't saw this enjoy. After it I didn't remember out. that at all. It's the song and dance. Oh, really? I didn't remember that there was, at all. There were very few things I actually remembered about them. I remembered the basic premise. I remembered Gerard Butler. I remembered the role. I remembered uh, that this was uh, that this wasn't Death Race two thousand, and that's what I could remember. I about remembered the that the person controlling the wife was an absolutely disgusting blob of a person. Yeah, I, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> it was it was intended to make you feel creepy. He, he yeah, was a hundred percent creepy. You know what this movie what needed more of? Was he dipping the sandwiches in? He was oh, dipping waffles in syrup. syrup. That was syrup. Yeah, it was waffles and syrup. It was waffles, oh. sir. That's where I got the. That's where I got the tagline. Or I felt I thought it was sandwiches and syrup, which is worse. I thought it was. Sa- I thought they were sandwiches, yeah, and I was like, "What is he? Do- oh, it was. It's it was still gross. Let me tell you, but and it was. Well well let me done. tell you, inspired by those scenes, amongst other things, what this movie did not have enough of for me was random titillating shots of boobs interspersed with truly disturbing imagery. <laughs> I, realistically, they could have added oh, yeah, more of they that. Could. This, this was actually a short movie really for the time. <laughs> I felt that they had the balance just about right there, personally. I'm just saying. No, they just needed more of both. I'm just saying they could have. <laughs> this was actually a short movie for that time period. Yeah. Like, two-hour movies were common. I liked Ludacris as well in this. I thought he was great. Um, human's brother, you know, the head of the resistance. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he'd started doing movies, of course, in, in here. He did the, his first of the fast and furious movies he did, I think was too fast, too furious in 03. He was in crash in 04. He was in rock and Rolla uh, in 08, which, well, you know, Gerard Butler was in as well. He made friends. Um, gotcha. And he was in fast five in 2011, a couple years after this and every fast movie since. Yeah, Ludacris has done all right. I mean, I think he's actually, I think he's really great when he's on screen. I, I think he uh, he has a, a really nice kind of delivery that just kind of draws you in. It's compelling. It's not quite, um, you know, Henry Rollins or anything. <laughs> it's like, did we do Johnny Mnemonic on the show? We did, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah did. we did. That one, uh, uh, that that stuff, you know, that the the stuff we saw in Johnny Mnemonic, where you, you know, or, or um, who was it that uh, was actually running like the resistance and that and had like, there was an iced tea? Maybe. Yeah, it was iced tea. It was good. So good. Yes. Okay, so after those three, we get into names of people that are recognizable, that had done other stuff, but not a lot of huge actors in this. You know, Uh, Amber Valletta. I recognize so many people. Come on, man. We'll talk about them. Uh, Amber Valletta, uh, who played Angie. (laughs) She did Hitch and Transporter 2 in 05. She's in Premonition 07, Spy Next Girl in 2010. If you did, if you don't recognize her by name, you could look up, uh, you know, visions, images from the movie on the internet with the name, you know, with, with Angie or with Amber Valletta, and you'll see, you've seen her in other places. Kara Sedgwick, of course, uh, who played Gina Parker Smith, the reporter uh, or journalist, whatever you want to call her. And, uh, I mean, she's one of those who had appeared in a lot of, like, bit roles over the years doing stuff and was very recognizable for it. But she was in The Closer, which was a popular show. We ran from, like, 05 to 2012. That yeah, was a major role in that. Uh, Logan Lerman? That one surprised me because I'd totally forgotten he was in this or that I even knew who he was. I was actually really dis- – I-, I was a blend of disappointed and excited because I love Logan Lerman. But I thought in my head it was Ty Sheridan. Oh, so that would have been a good choice. Well, with the, but given the age, it was 2009. 
would it would Ty Sheridan have been the right age? You think? It's actually what kind of threw me about Logan Lerman is I didn't think he would have, but yeah, you know, uh, because this was uh, the year before the first Percy Jackson movie came out. Oh yeah, Percy mm-hmm. Jackson. That's what I recognize him from. He's done. He's continued to do great stuff. Actually, he was. Uh, if you've ever seen, and this is, I mean, this is a complete one eighty from this in in most ways. But have you any of you ever seen Fury? I doubt it's really in most of your wheelhouse. Uh, kid might really like it, but it's a very it. much a, like a World War II tank movie. Brad Pitt's in it. Um, oh yeah, I've seen that. Oh once. my god, it was good. Time ago. Uh, it was dark, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> didn't exactly have a happy I mean- ending. You can't make a movie like that and not be but, dark. But um, he played Norman in Fury, and he was it was a really good performance, really great performance. He was also the son in Bullet Train. If you've seen Bullet Train, raise your hand. Okay, no, I haven't seen that. You one. guys haven't seen. Oh, have you seen uh, it, Jason? Oh, oh loved it. Loved was it. it great? Loved it. So I'm when I say the theaters, I've watched. When it I say all. the son, uh-huh. do you realize who I'm talking about? Did uh-huh. you recognize him at the time? Uh huh. Oh, did you? Okay, that's something. I did not. That getup they had him in, the way they had him you know, dressed in the makeup and stuff, didn't even look familiar to me. So I read that was him. I was like, you got to be freaking kidding me, man. Say, I need to watch Bullet Train. Uh, Bullet Train is a crazy, crazy good movie. It was strange. I'll give it that. But I love the dynamic in, in it. The characters I like fun. strange movies, so that's not a and deterrent. I, I, I like Brad Pitt. I, mean, I know that he's kind of a mixed bag for a lot of people. Uh, but not only does he pick good scripts, he's not as one note as he tries to be, you know. Like is a strong word for me <laughs> in Brad Pitt. It's not that I dislike him. It's that some of his movies are good and some of them aren't. He's he's not going to be the person that I go out and say, oh, Brad Pitt's in this. I'm totally going to watch it. I'm going to wait for, to see what people think. I'm going to wait and see who else is in Logan it. Logan <laughs> Lerman's currently in Hunters, uh, which is on, is it Amazon, I think? Yeah. It's it, a show yeah. about Nazi hunters. So, uh, so deep. Yeah, so that's the impression I get. Uh, Allison Lohman played Trace, the girl on the, on the motorcycle. Uh, she was in Beowulf a couple years before this. She was in Drag Me to Hell the same year this came out. We saw her in Big Fish, actually. Uh, and uh, Terry Crews, who played Hackman. <laughs> this was <laughs> such a great role for him and nothing like most of his roles. <laughs> Absolutely nothing like any of his roles because he started and I was just like, is that Terry mm-hmm. Crews? It can't be Terry uh, Crews. That's Terry just Crews. Just a snapshot of where he was. Get Smart <laughs> came out the year before this. Uh, Terminator Salvation came out the same year as this. And uh, he was in The Expendables, which came out the year after this. <laughs> so and shows I you know him best as the host of AGT. Yep. And... Uh, because an honorable mention always needs to be made for people that deserve an honorable mention, I've got to make... Well, actually, let me look at my clips first and see if this person shows up in my clips before I... I think you've already clips. used them once. If you, if, um, if I'm thinking of who you're thinking of. No, I don't think so. No? No. Who are you thinking of? Who you John got? DeLance. John DeLance was in this? He, he was the... Uh, oh. The... Uh, oh newsroom executive that said do we have it oh yeah 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 oh wow yeah good call um he no, definitely needs mention- honorable mention he was only in it for like five minutes but he was definitely him and he stole his scene he was good, definitely good him. he totally stole it uh keith david oh yes 
who even played a, a cop named Keith, Inspector Keith, Keith or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, again, one scene in the movie, just one. Great in the scene. Oh, that's You're picked exactly for what he does. Yeah, when, when you see who I'm talking about, oh, if you look him up. The, F- the, the FBI agent yeah, yeah, yeah. that... You see him everywhere. It's like oh, he's, yeah. he's, he, and he's always great at what he does. He's good at gravitas, you know. He's the guy in um, in uh, 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 the asteroid movie, um, meteor movie, the freaking uh, Armageddon, bomb, yeah, Michael Bay movie. Um, he's the guy in Armageddon who's like serving at the pleasure of the president or whatever. Is like, and he's the guy who's like getting ready to take over the whole room and blow up the thing remotely from here before it ever has a chance to do what it's supposed to do. And they're all like, no, wait, don't do it. It's like, give us a chance. You know, it's like, here's the president. He's like, and they're like, oh, finally, yes. And he let it, let's try, Mr. President, this is what's going on. Is that blah, blah, blah. I really don't think, you know, it's okay. Well, let me talk to you. Okay. He wants to talk to you. He's like, so, uh-huh. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Okay. Time to blow it up. <laughs> he just does it. So we're going to do it anyway. He's that guy. He's the guy that pulls that scene off in a way that makes you grit your teeth and wish anything but that was happening right that moment. Freaking good. All right. Uh, $50 million budget, approximately. Uh, made $20.5 million in the U.S. Uh, 9.1 of that its opening weekend. Cumulative worldwide gross of $40.8 million. Boom. The movie was a certified bomb, 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 bomb. Yeah, I, bomb, I didn't bomb, watch it till it came on video, but I watched it shortly after it was on video. That's the thing is, I didn't I see it. I watched it in theaters. Mm. I've watched it once since then, and this is the third time I've seen it. <laughs> I have some trivia for you. The film takes place in 2034. That's all my trivia. There's actually how not did a they ton come up with that? To talk about. I have no idea. Not super Seems realistic, reasonable. but at the same time, there were a lot of chat rooms and chat groups around the time that this came out because this was really big and when Second Life was getting big. Oh, if such yeah. a thing existed, it could probably ramp up even in 10 years from now. Okay. If, uh, if, I'm not as sure if about If they're that. doing the testing now, they could probably ramp it up and people would eat it up, especially if there was that much involved. Isn't somebody doing uh, technology that's brain insert technology? I can neither confirm nor deny that Neuro, information. Neurochip technology. It's probably Elon Musk and nobody cares anymore because he's made an ass of himself. It would not surprise me any if it was Elon Musk. But, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's what it is. Probably Tesla's in your brain, I guess. Okay, um, am I the only one sure, why not? that thinks that Elon Musk watched this movie and said, that's how I ought to be when I get rich? <laughs> I was trying not to say that. With Michael C. Hall as the like, right. representative? Yeah. yeah, I could totally see that. So who are they basing <laughs> Michael C. Hall's character on then? I mean, who is Ken Castle? Nobody. A of? generic villain. He, he was literally <laughs> just a generic villain. And Elon Musk watched the movie and said, oh, I have life's goals now. <laughs> maybe on was this movie based on a book or anything comic book anything I, that's a really good question i didn't see any credit for it anywhere for anybody else so um my guess is it's an original story i mean as original as it is anyway <laughs> see that's that's the problem original stories just don't get enough credits they always bomb out which is why uh hollywood doesn't like making which is them. why everyone bases off of everything you know, yeah if we're not going to go out and support shit that isn't based on some ip that we've you know presumably heard of or something until 10 years later when the original people don't get any money out of it that's the truth but uh the g- gamer 
What do you guys think? What do we got to talk about? Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, I'm scared now. Jason's uh, Jason's little noises remind me more and more of Sheldon Cooper all the time. <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you. G- given Oh my. The amount of splut in this movie, I think the thing I appreciated is the fact it was so splutty, it was completely unrealistic. It's comic. It's cartoonish, yeah. And I was able to deal with that. I didn't even actually compute I, it. I still gave warnings just in case it'd be it a problem. Was good warnings to give. I, I didn't even <laughs> it didn't even compute for me. Probably because it was somewhere in the middle. It was splutty, but it was gritty splutty. Whereas like something like say the second Suicide Squad movie that James Gunn did is cartoonishly splutty. It's yes. way over the top splutty. That's a different standard. That's the bar that we but, see nowadays. Boy, they nailed that whole creepy mood of I'm looking from the outside and what you've let this world become is an abomination. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. In, in a did. way that really feels, I mean, I think probably the best part about this type of dystopia, and we see it a lot in fiction, I mean, the good stuff anyway, is that it feels over the top like you couldn't actually imagine society doing this but it isn't hard to imagine society getting there you know I it's only totally imagine society yeah, doing this it's that self-contained warning right it's the wall e thing or a uh uh what's the one with all the 80s um references and ready player one you know where mm. where uh, you got yeah. a society where everybody lives in virtual space those kinds of things this is kind of like a send up of the same concept, but taken contextually to a level that touches every member of society in a new way, because now you have the ability to debase yourself for cash in a way that we don't necessarily have right now. The, f- the first time that we actually see society and not an advertisement for society in the movie is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> oh, yeah. The ads are almost bad enough. You say we don't have <laughs> a way to do that now. We we're getting there. I mean, look at like OnlyFans and such. It, it's, it says here you're to. an actress. <laughs> it's not that yeah. far. True, but we don't have the mind control elements. We do have the paying people for debasing you. Well, and that's the thing is right now debasement is still uh, entirely voluntary. Taking In this theory, leap, so is this right? Taking this leap is you are making the choice to take the control completely off. You know, you're leaving yourself no way to deviate, and so you just have to go through whatever it is that you're being put through. But, wow, the idea that that level of debasement also inveigles in, in this sort of... Um, <laughs> psychological depredation of of character from the inside where we don't really have any sense of self to speak of you know we are willing to sell ourselves now and debase ourselves but we are still making every decision involved in that process yeah and you can just choose not to participate if it goes beyond your boundaries in this whatever yeah consequences be damned right in this you are taking off the guardrails you are ab- you are absolving yeah. yourself of the of the direct liability for your actions 
because you are not making decisions regarding the debasement. You're just the vehicle. And the person who's actually being the, the villain in that is insulated by the anonymity of the internet, right? So yep. <laughs> it's pretty severely wackadoodle. I really love the deconstruction of it. And like I said, that's yeah. where the rabbit hole starts. Well, yeah, the, <laughs> that's the just symbolism. the beginning of the rabbit hole. And the way they played yeah. that and then the rockin' soundtrack underneath it. They they set the expectation with that opening scene for society, though. Like, someone gets horribly injured, and the, you could tell that they're crying while laughing. And yes. licking, yeah. up their, <laughs> licking up their own blood. And... Yeah, licking up their own blood. Just people standing, just completely ignoring the fact that someone is horribly injured next to them. Yeah, <laughs> and then there's that level of dystopia where any level of debasement is fine. It's acceptable. What are you going to say, kid? Yeah. I was going to say, I was uh, actually kind of impressed. And I'm going to preface pretty much everything I say from this point forward. Um, I was really excited to see this movie when I first saw the trailers for it all those years ago. And then something happened to my plans and I wasn't able to go see it. And that happened to me twice in a row. I missed out twice. And I was just like, you know what? I don't really want to see it anyway. So I had not seen the movie before. And it, I, I had this idea of what it was going to be, <laughs> which at the beginning of the movie, oh. I was like, yeah, it's exactly what I thought it was going to be. And then we're like 10, 15 minutes in. And I'm like, wait a minute. This isn't what I thought it was going to be at all. So much. And more. it just kept doing that to me over and over again. Every time I was like, OK, now I understand what the movie is. Like, wait, what? No, it's there, there's another level, another layer. It's like. I got that. Oh, they turned it up to 11. Oh, wait, no. Oh, now they turned it up. Oh, no, wait, wait. It's up again. So that being said, I was actually kind of impressed with how well uh, the the scenes that took place inside the, you know, the society or the Slayers were exactly the kind of thing I'm used to seeing in actual online environments. Yeah, video games. They, they really right. did their they did yeah. They really did their homework as far as that went. Either that, or it was made by people who were already in that world. That's very possible as well. It was really impressive. Well, again, to revisit the writer director team on this, these are the guys did crank, and did <laughs> that track exactly. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I did think of another honorable mention for the cast. Oh, who's that? Uh, Milo Ventimiglia. Milo's in this? What did he play? Rick Rape. Did he really? Oh, I was wondering when I saw it. I thought, God, that guy looks familiar. I meant to look him up and totally spaced it. Oh, John Leguizamo was Freak. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Yeah, it was oh, actually was. when he died, him. the movie got really good. I think that was just a coincidence, but... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I mean, you're not wrong, but at the same time, I wasn't going to say it. Well, Milo, let's see. This would have been after Heroes, right? So, wow. Yeah. What a dark, twisted role. To- my, my my folks were nonplussed. It's like, I was like, is that Milo? And she's like, who's Milo? And I was like, uh, you'd know him from This Is Us. And she was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> now what did they think of the movie i know this isn't quite their wheelhouse not their wheelhouse um dad was not pleased with it i i made a comment well it's not as bad as some of the stuff we've watched lately and he's like are you sure about that <laughs> that's that's funny 
And that's part of why I On the people. other hand, as morality <laughs> tale, most of the stuff that was over the edge was specifically stuff that was like, hey, no, this is over the edge and we can't it's let that happen. It's right. This movie was designed yeah. to make you uncomfortable. Uncom- and and yeah, if you were not <laughs> uncomfortable really watching this movie, you have issues that you need and to get addressed quickly. Nailed it. Oh, no. Get I'm, help. I'm very call, well aware call. of my issues. I don't need me. I don't need any help. <laughs> but there's the thing the, the the way this the way this film revels in baser I, humanity. The, 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 the word you're looking for is humanity. I, I don't even. I, is it though? Does it really qualify? I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, sadly, yes, inhuman humanity. So base. I mean, the the um, you know, like I said, the 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 titillation through sexual imagery, the titillation through violence. The uh, heavy lizard brain. The way, yeah, heavy lizard the way brain. It just, yeah, it <laughs> finds it and then just sits there and picks at it for an hour and a half, fucking straight. It was just ridiculous. Oh, I'm sorry about my language. You put the sign up at the beginning. I did. I did. I, um, I hadn't heard that uh, warning clip in a while. I was appreciated. Yeah, that. yeah. That cool. We record actually. Uh, Johnny and I recorded I that, that for like, a friend's podcast years ago. Uh, Carpe Diem. And, uh, you know, it's like after he kind of pod faded, I was like, I'll just keep using this occasionally. And I was like, well, I need one for this episode. This episode is too much. I'm not gonna be able to find clips that don't curse. So, you know what? And if they don't curse, they're still somehow offensive. (laughs) It's like, yeah, yeah, very disturbing. Um, but that stuff was all good to me in this. This was, I mean, and I'm sure that most of us are likely, at least mostly on that same page, the elements of this that do pick at the lizard brain also made this an edgy and worthwhile investment in uh, our time, I guess. I don't know. Jason may disagree with me. I don't know how he feels. But uh, so far, nobody's said they hated the movie. Um, I'm sure we've got mixed feelings. (laughs) Because oh, I have plenty this, of mixed feelings. This movie is made. This was designed to capitalize on mixed feelings. Obviously, oh, this was designed to just make you completely uncomfortable and question your decisions on watching it. Um, I think one of the things I think that they kind of missed out on, and it's funny because I one of the reasons I actually got it mixed up in my head with like Death Race is because in that one, like the Death Row guy. He did a crime or was accused of a crime or something, but his family that was still on the outside was his sole motive for trying to get free, trying to win his freedom. Um, it's different because you're not being controlled by somebody in that one. You're just in a like car, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a road rage. It's not Mad Max because it's all like urban, you know, but it's got that kind of quality to it that's like way over the top on the, the cars. and the- Yeah, Death Race is like the entire... But so funny thing, short story. Crazy. What's that? Funny short story. I went to dinner today. When I went out, I was walking across a parking lot, and it's a little bit dusky. And a car had its headlights on as I'm walking across, and I had to kind of pass in front of where the car was. And I thought I could just see that car deciding to race out and run me over. And I was thinking about Death Race 2000 <laughs> before I came. You don't in have here. that happen all the time. It happens on a regular basis, yes. I, I, say, I constantly have the I could die at this situation happen <laughs> but in I my thought head. about that for 2000 today, and I thought that was weird when we popped it up at the beginning there. Vanessa, don't you kind of do that when you start breathing in the morning, though? I mean, that's a little bit different. Dude. 
breathing is going to kill me. <laughs> I'm suddenly going to forget how to breathe and die. I'm Wait, just can making fun of your insecurities. It's worse when I'm out of the house. I saw, I, I, I saw a clip just a little bit ago that said, breathing is voluntary in humans, right? It was. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Uh, but no, from a cautionary tale, Aesop's fable sort of take on the future, I really appreciated this film for what it was trying to get across. And that uh, I, I particularly liked the dressing down of Simon by cable no this is not cool yes (laughs) you know yeah 100 percent. i think i've got that um let's do some clips uh see because i've got i got some stuff we can kind of get into that but i do have quite a few clips and i'll kind of curate them a little bit maybe but um let's meet some of our peoples here like cable uh, aka mr tillman That scene right there was our first indication in the, in the film, because it was a very early in the film, about what um, his motive here, what his, uh, you know, goal, what his MacGuffin is. You know, why he'd want to, you know, be so certain to us to survive and win his freedom and all that. But that story was peppered in, in here. It didn't... Um, I mean, it was important because when when we finally meet her and she's in society, and that's really our window into all of that debauchery, it does kind of open, kind of crack open the whole experience a little bit in terms of him and her and that dynamic and the child. When we find out later with the child where she's placed, I mean, all that stuff I thought was well done, but it it really relied on you to continue your own kind of trend of caring through the movie, uh, because it didn't keep that stuff front and center necessarily. It it very very. I'd say subdued. that thread was buried a couple levels yeah. deep, yeah, <laughs> and uh, and not unimportant, but not in a way, in, but not important in a way that made us um, care. I guess we're all cognizant of it, but it was hard to connect with it. It wasn't the focus. Um, that was my feeling. I feel like they could have done more to, and maybe more by giving us more of them, maybe giving us flashbacks or something of, you know, of him when he was happy or whatever, giving us some sort of context for that family unit, something to give a shit about. I get that. This movie actually probably would have benefited from, I, from, from flashbacks. I don't think I would have wanted at that point with the intensity of the uncomfortableness to have some happy thoughts rolling in, in the middle of that. <laughs> yeah. I, absolu- I, I absolutely agree with the decision to have as little of that as possible. 
I don't think the filmmakers were afraid of that at all. Personally, I just think they don't th- didn't think of it. Yeah. Okay. That's there. You you have a very valid point there, but I, I still I enjoyed. I don't want to go directly from debasement to family <laughs> virtues, but I mean, I, it would have been nice to have it sprinkled in. And maybe it's because I'm one of those people that that is I'm always looking for that motivation. I'm trying to figure out where they're going from, where they're coming from, so I figure out where they're going to. So every time one of those nuggets came up, I was like literally eating it up and then plugging it into everything else I'd learned. Well, there's so much great artistry in the way they um, the way they maneuvered through the setting, the environment, the way they maneuvered from scene to scene to build the narrative. Uh, the cinematography was really strong. I, oh, it, I the choice of the flickers. I do have to say that in the first like 10, 15 minutes of the movie, I had a hard time connecting with some of it because the movement did make it so that you weren't really landing anywhere sometimes. And then it was all kind of like, uh, wait a minute, where are we again? Who are these people talking about? Do we care? You know, there's a little bit of that going on. Particularly interestingly enough in the scenes with him and his fellow prisoners, his fellow inmates. I forgot um, they had NPCs and Slayers, and that was a wake-up call. Yeah, another very strong <laughs> uh, just they kind of only dropped had to in live moment. through one, one battle. To be fair, they were not controlled by anybody in, on a set control of motion, so one person was, like, walking across an active battlefield carrying a briefcase. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, the or other just... guy was going back and forth across the street with frickin' death mobiles plowing through the intersection every five minutes. Or the person passing money through a thing, just over and over. <laughs> but I was kind of surprised. You only actually saw very few of them get slaughtered. Uh, a lot of the NPCs you see in the active battle scenes, it's just... You they know, eventually it. get slaughtered. Every single NPC <laughs> Almost, I saw did die. Well, yeah. no, like at one point there were a bunch of them up doing the wave in the stands in front of one battlefield, and we never saw any of them die, and we never saw them again after that scene. I don't remember seeing that one. Yeah, it looked like they were in a relatively safe place. I was like, well, those guys got the golden ticket. I mean, most of them are going to get out of this alive. Well, and and I mean, we saw more people in society get wasted than we did. Yeah, <laughs> and, that was and they weren't normal, supposed to be. Though. They weren't no, supposed yeah. to be. Yeah, that was that was a uh, breach of protocol. Yeah. Uh, breach of something. Uh, let's see. Uh, infection. A new video prank by the subversive group Humans caused a nationwide stir today. All contact between Society City and an estimated three-quarter of a million players was shut down for three hours while Castle technicians worked to remove what they described as a satellite infection. These pranks, at first attributed to rogue isolated hackers, are now suspected to be the work of an elaborate and sophisticated network of programming cells spread across several countries. (laughs) Experts estimate that the service interruption will end up costing Castle billions in lost revenue. Well, don't cry for Castle. He can cover this with the change in his couch cushions. Hmm. On a personal note, that shit was fucked up. Yeah, it was. I literally pissed myself. (laughs) Sounds like fun. (laughs) <laughs> I had to keep that in there. <laughs> so the characters that do awesome. that are Sean Spencer and Juliet O'Hara in Psych, uh-huh. and that is all I could think about through yes. that entire thing, yep. scene. <laughs> because yes. they were acting just like their characters were yes. in Psych. <laughs> Watching that uh, or listening to that just made me click on something in my head that I hadn't realized before. The fact that it was, they said, three quarters of a million that got disconnected from which meant there were others that weren't disconnected from and 
presumably each person that got disconnected has their own person they're controlling, which just goes to show the magnitude that I had not quite put my finger on before. Just because much. we only saw, you know, a few hundred people in society at any given moment in time, not hundreds of thousands. Yeah. That's like an entire player base, you know, half again the size of Wichita, Kansas, uh, controlling an entire group of people. Which means that uh, <laughs> the the city, uh, what, what's it, what was it called? Uh, simulation Where city. Society was society yeah. city. Society city. Society, Soci- society city is bigger than Wichita. Yep. That's yeah. terrifying. That's terrifying. absolutely terrifying. <laughs> uh, the new face. We gotta talk about this guy, don't we? Look at it. The new face of Slayers. Pure, crystallized horror, two stories high and bathed in bloody red. He is what they want. They love cable. They do now. But when they watch their hero die right in front of their eyeballs, so sharp and vivid, it feels like you could reach out and touch the wet flesh. They're going to change their point of view. They'll be seduced by the power, the violence, the dominance. It's human nature. Cable's made it to 28 panels. Every player in the game is trying to take him out. Yeah, Cable's a perfect soldier. He's a tactical killing computer. His only vulnerability is the Nanex itself, the ping, the delay between Simon's commands and Cable's ability to execute. So why should this one be any different? Who controls him? Good stuff. <laughs> that guy kind of turned out to be a tease, though, didn't he? I mean, he got pwned every time he showed up. Yeah, he did not live up to his potential. To be well, fair, it, most of the yeah. time that they interacted, Cable also didn't have strings. That's true. Which, at the point they introduced him, that didn't that wasn't apparent that that was going to be a thing. But true. Right. Yeah, I mean, he was uh, definitely a, a in, internal MacGuffin, if you will, something that they were focusing on spinning the story around in a way that didn't necessarily have much to do with our story. So Him singing that little puppet song, though, was creepy. <laughs> I, thought about I thought about clipping that. Gave you should have that. Gave me no, flashbacks to Ultron. I can't uh, remember why I didn't. It might have been the music or something in the background. There was something, some reason I didn't. That's fair. But he... Yeah, I mean, it was it was meant to be to show the the cruelty that he was doing to explicitly try to kill Cable in a way, you know, that makes him win and look like it was not his doing, but then ultimately failing at it. So the creepiest I've ever seen Terry Crews. (laughs) (laughs) We're just saying something, right? (laughs) Right. Uh, Terry. You guys want to meet Simon? Let's do it. In person? Cable? Cable? Dude? It's me. It's me. Who? Simon. I'm... We already did that, didn't we? Yeah, we did. I think that was the intro, yeah. Sure. Okay. Um, how about this, then? Uh, you guys want to hear some more Simon? Yes. It's going to get me killed. Dude, I'm right here, man. I can hear you. Listen to me. 
I don't know who's blinded or why, but I was supposed to die tonight. They're gunning for us. Now I can beat them, but not with you controlling me. What the hell are you talking about? Turn me loose, kid. You want to win? Turn me loose. Find a way. Which was a really important, obviously, uh, uh, pivot point. But but don't you love the whole idea of Simon Says? <laughs> Ooh, I hadn't put that together. I bet they did that on purpose. That's actually really good. <laughs> it's good. Let's see. Uh, brother. You like the software? Software? The walkie-talkie player. No shit. You're the guy from the TV, the humans. That's right, baby. You think about what the brother said? To what brother do you refer, brother? Cable wants the freedom to ass kick. Do shit his way. You gonna give it to him? You were listening. We see and hear everything, everything that goes on inside the so-called game. game. All right, then. Cable said we got lucky, that they were gunning for us. What's that all about? Cable got a pass. He knows things. He knows things. Things he don't even things know. He don't even know. Huh, what things? Things that Castle's afraid of. As long as your boy stays on the inside, Castle knows he can keep him quiet. But if he ever got out, <laughs> Castle would never, never, never let that happen. This is the kind of stuff I was completely forgetting was in this movie before we watching it. You know, the things involving the um, uh, the resistance kind of struggle there and how important that was. And how pivotal it was to making a story that otherwise wouldn't have existed. <laughs> um, right. But you they know, both that's... played a big role, but not a big role. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It was point. important, but it it was only like five minutes of the actual movie. <laughs> well, it was an important. Again, it was it was a pivot. It wasn't a strong one, uh, but there was a it wound around it as it went. Yeah. You know, and we saw it in uh, similar stories. You know, similar dystopian kind of stories where you have some segment that is resisting against the people in power. As part of that tale, we saw it in The Running Man. We saw it in Hunger Games. You know, you see this uh, in Johnny Mnemonic. You know, you see this group, this sort of cyberpunk sort of reality where there's this group, this organized uh, construct that uh, is fighting against the man in a, in a way that's so visceral. But the level at which it is successful varies a lot from tale to tale and in this tale it wasn't that they weren't successful it's that they were just like a lever they then gets dropped on the floor once it's done with yep i mean it, literally the guy used uh used a uh, uh, cable to track their location and ice them <laughs> and yet you know yep, cable they still did what two needed people to be done. from the system Woo. great success Woot. only briefly because <laughs> once he had their tech he undid the patch that let them yeah loose uh, you know, slave go ahead i was gonna say i thought i knew what his plan was and it was very much what i thought but i had no idea exactly how messed up his plan actually was until the big reveal that he had turned his own brain almost entirely into nanites and that it was a transmit he could literally control people with his mind Without you know needing the whatever the interface that the system for uh, players or participants in society did, 
he could just think it at them as long as they were within transmission range. And I was like, okay, this just took an entire step up from what I thought it was going to be. Again, yeah. I su- I suddenly want that that clip from River. It's like, and I can kill you with my brain. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, slaves. Here's more of that. She took my blood. Why? The Nanex. It modifies the actual cell structure of your brain. We can crack it, but it's not just a one size fits all. We need your DNA so that we can generate custom code. All right. And why me? Because Castle's afraid of you, man. It ain't just a game, tell me. Every day there's more people stepping forward, want to be a part of Castle's world, throwing away everything it means to be human. Right now it's the desperate ones. Convicts, addicts, the sick, the poor, the ones that fell through the cracks. The federal prison system is growing out of control, set to bankrupt the whole damn USA. Then Castle rides in on a white horse, says he has a plan to bail us all out and we just fall in line. The healthcare system is collapsing. And this time he's pushing for total control over genetic disease. Birth defects no longer an issue. All we got to do is exchange ourselves for the ones he wants to give Promise us. Promise of a longer life and a fatter wallet. I mean, you think people will refuse? No. And then the next thing you know, we're all slaves. Compelling shit. Uh, so one interesting observation to me. The only two characters that had a through line through this whole story were Cable and Ken Castle. Yes. Right? Everybody else may have played an important kind of role in what was happening and why it was happening, but they weren't part of the story in a meaningful way beyond that simple design parameter. Um, this, uh, I mean, where I, I commented on how this was the case, obviously, with the resistance people, with the humans, you know, uh, because they they are there as a presence a little bit early, kind of linger, you know, kind of dribbled in, and then they are the the point at which he is free. He ends up with them. They're able to reverse the tech. They make the stuff happen, and then they're kind of made irrelevant. You know, so their presence, although it is important, they're, 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 what they do is important to the end of the story. Their presence is not an important part of the end of the story. Not to the end um, of the story. <laughs> right. To, it, again, I'm talking like kind of end to end here, right? In terms of what, what we're following as the through line of this narrative. Yeah, that's Cable. And Simon's another great example. Um, like, okay, this was one of my favorite sequences with Simon. Uh, see if I can find it. Here it is. Suspected of aiding the escape of a convicted murderer from a maximum security penitentiary. The charges are beyond serious. <laughs> Your hard drives have been seized. Forensics is decrypting the contents as we speak. Your internet activity over the last 10 years is being scrutinized and cataloged in minute, vivid detail. In addition, your father's bank accounts have been frozen, pending further investigation. After all, it was... Essentially, his money that funded Mr. Tillman's escape. Now, I need you to tell me everything that happened leading up to yesterday afternoon. Everybody you talked to. Everything you saw. Everything you did. And I need you to tell me that right now. Yeah, um... I'm gonna need something, too. Oh, really? And what might that be? Could you guys do a sandwich like peanut butter, almond butter, walnut butter... Uh, pecan butter, pistachio butter, um, pretty much any kind of, you know, nut butter with some grape jelly. Pistachio butter. They make that? It's awesome. <laughs> okay, that, that was 
that was a fun bit for me because when he made the sandwich earlier in the show, he had this great green spread that he then put oh. with jelly. And my <laughs> folks were like, oh, and I was, I was like, it's pistachio butter. <laughs> Which makes significantly more that. sense than the guacamole I thought No, I it haven't was. had it. Pistachio <laughs> is my number one death allergy. Of course you couldn't do it. But um, that's why green is green and nut butter it, is out. Yeah. like death and it it triggers me ahead of time. So I was like, that's pistachio butter. And then it got the call back and I was like, haha. So what's interesting about that scene right there, which was you know, a, a moment of him actually being able to being able to stand, you know, stand in in concert with toe to toe with somebody like Keith David giving that delivery, which was great. And I think I think he did a fine job. After that point, we didn't really see Simon. He was not relevant anymore. Not true. Uh, he gets released from the prison. Right. He gets home. He sees all of the cheater oh, scandal things. Right. And oh, yeah. then the news lady plugs him back in and he controls Cable to stop Castle uh, from killing a, him outright. He had a key part in the climactic uh, conflict. I had forgotten about that. You're right about that. So, so there in that way, I guess Simon also was part of the narrative through line, through the story, not as not as intimately perhaps, but definitely uh, relevant to the end. That's a good point. So, but even like even like um, Cable's wife, you know, she was part of the part of the the point of the story, but her presence in it was sporadic, and didn't really do a lot except create an obstacle at the end, right? And highlight the issues in society that were happening on the other side of the coin. Yeah, she gave us a, a narrative viewpoint, which was good. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not really knocking it. I'm just saying I found it interesting. Yeah, I get it. How much of the story was beating around uh, the heart of only one or two people while making all these waves and making all these important statements and then kind of leaving them behind or moving out, you know, out of the proximity of them as you go. Uh, the, the inmates were a big part of the early part of the story. Weren't really a big part of the later part of the story the for obvious reasons. It's more, you know. it's the hero's journey focuses on the hero. <laughs> you can call him that. Uh, show me. They tested it on soldiers. The first volunteer was a corporal Travis Scotch. A friend of yours, I believe. And the second was you. The idea was to replace your brain. Bit by bit, cell by cell. The new tissue would never break down, never deteriorate. A new era in human longevity, that's what they told us. Nine weeks later, Scotch was dead. And you were serving life in maximum. Castle's project was shut down. But the same technology resurfaced within a year, in a game. Castle called it society. Tell me, listen, man, whatever happened in that project is something Castle wanted buried. We need that shit, man. What you saw, what you know. I don't know what to tell you. You ain't got to tell me shit. I want you to show me. Uh, yeah, I forgot about the memory thing. <laughs> Again, you know, yeah. important to what's happening, but not necessarily a big uh, selling point inside the narrative. 
I don't know. I you know I. It I'm, was important to get you on castles or on ca- against castle. Establish him as definite bad guy. I did pull some of these clips because I thought the a technical speak was interesting. They didn't do a lot of techno babble in this. What they did sounded pretty reasonably viable given the you know the the buy-in you have to have to the core concept. Um, Wet wears hard. Yeah. Uh, uh, got a couple of them to knock out here. Monologue, because you know, I had to get some Michael C. Hall in here. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you did. Come on. One thing even they didn't know, though, I'm wired too. I replaced ninety-eight percent of my own noodle with nano tissue years ago. But mine's different. It's built to sand. <laughs> transmit whereas every other nano cell that i put out there including the ones in your head cable designed to receive i think it you do it we're talking every slayer everyone in society city i believe your better half would fall under that category provided they're within range of my transmitters very nice castle so you got an army of psychotics and deviants to dance around for you you're thinking small cable but not as small as me <laughs> see nano cells are real small thousand times smaller than these dust particulates you inhale it they go to work replicating spreading like a virus multiplying in exponentials six months time i could have a hundred million people converted ditch diggers porn stars and presidents not one would be the wiser a hundred million people who buy what i want them to buy and vote how i want them to vote do pretty much damn well anything i figure they ought to do world domination at its best Yup. Classic. This this guy definitely was over the top as far as villainous schemes go. He also had the villain monologue down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that whole sequence, of course, started with the song and dance number you guys were talking about, which was just just amazing. If you watch nothing Worth the price of admission. (laughs) I, I have to admit, that scene made me expect, or at least suspect, that we were going to get a reveal that castle himself was being puppeted by some shadowy puppet master above him that had been behind the scenes the whole movie. And I was kind of oh, surprised yeah. that that didn't That would have been an interesting twist. Um, I do have to say, too, I think that this, um, I like this clip because I feel like it really sort of um, demonstrated why he was such a compelling choice for the character. Uh, because that, not just that delivery, but the way he... Yeah, the way he engages you when he's talking, the the way he re- kind of reaches into the audience makes you part of his intended audience, um, and it's what made presence. him so good in Dexter. It's what made that mm-hmm. such a compelling character. Um, so uh, I have one more clip, and then we'll kind of move on to the last part of the show. It's we're getting we're gonna have kind of a longer show as it is, uh, mostly because all these freaking clips. I could cut some of this out if you guys feel I should. I don't know. Uh, no, no, no. Okay. Clip us. Aw, you guys are so, so supportive. Um, but this was important, of course. Imagine. I think that you fucking do it. Look at this knife. Imagine me sticking it into your gut. Make it 
It's yeah. a great death rattle. <laughs> I loved that scene. I have to tell you, the moment he said, look at this nut. I had a couple of yep. things happen in my head. But one of them was definitely power of suggestion for the win. Right. <laughs> right. I, I had a hard time because I was recording stuff. So I was pausing and going and pausing and going. I had a hard time. It's not, you know, I'm on a horse. <laughs> um, that was the other thing. Now look at me. Now look back to the night. <laughs> Thumbs up, thumbs down. Lay it on us, Rich. All right. I love this movie, so thumbs down. I am going to go ahead and go with... I know it should have a video video gamey feel, and some of this little clip back and, and the way that they the cutscenes come in at weird times but tell a story across the game, which is a video game thing. Part of it where the story's just from tiny little clips that all go together gives a little bit of a rushed feeling and I I think it could have been developed maybe a little bit better uh, with a little more better writing but the scenes that were there were all done well and I really enjoyed the way they were done but if that's going to be my thumbs down that's going to be my thumbs down thumbs up I'm sorry I'm going with the music Sweet Dreams as done performed by Marilyn Manson is an incredible song and always takes me there. I just love that. And Start I love the, the other songs in there. Right on the way into the movie. Yeah. I mean, I would have loved to start this show with that, and that would have been a problem. <laughs> that would have but, been a nice you know, option. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, no, that I just absolutely love that. Overall, I love this movie. I enjoyed this movie. It's a little splutty. But almost cartoonishly so. Not in a bad way. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to rock it out with uh, four and a half stars today. Nice. That's a very respectable review, sir. Enjoyed it immensely. I give you a review. Five stars. Uh, see, <laughs> oh, uh, Vanessa, what do you think? Vanessa. Well, my thumbs down is they they could have established backstory more, whether it be in a pre whether it be in a preface in something after elements were introduced, but not necessarily in the middle of the grotesqueries. Because let's face it, this movie had that. It was a shock factor movie. Yeah, there there were would shock have been elements. in the middle of the grotesqueries if they'd done it, though. We know that. <laughs> and that and then it would have been a thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the downside. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> thumbs down if you have it. Thumbs down if you don't have it. I, I don't know. <laughs> thumbs up. They. I think they still tell, told the story well. I actually appreciated the shock factor in this. That's part of why I mm-hmm. recommended the movie. It's also part of why I warned y'all when I recommended the movie. <laughs> because this, it's got a lot to it. So, let me get this straight. All your thumbs-ups are also thumbs-downs and thumbs-ups at the same time. True. At the same time. Thumbs-downs, thumbs-ups. Yeah, okay. (laughs) This movie still gets four and a half stars. I'm not going to give it a five because there's still a lot of... There's a lot going on here. Interesting. I am most curious to hear this next report. Yep, let's see. Jason, what do you have for us? Okay. Uh, Thumbs-up. I... Like I said earlier, I enjoyed it for the Aesop Fable morality tale that it was. It was very good 
at getting its point across and driving it home. <laughs> uh, and thumbs down. I don't like how it got there. I I did not care for the lack of through lines of main characters. I did not care for the fact that most people ultimately didn't mean anything. I did not like the jagged little glitches on the screens that weren't actually screens. They were our cameras that were staticky and glitchy regularly. If we were kind watching somebody's screen, yeah, that'd be yeah. great. But it happened to the real world point of view as well. And it was uh. constant. And I did not enjoy that. And I especially did not like the ending. It was so abrupt. And you've got this council of executives that have been working with Castle for God knows how long sitting in the basketball stands. As soon as Castle is dead, they all just kind of get up and walk away. And Cable's like, hey, can you at least turn us off? It's the least you could do. And they go, oh, yeah, they hit a button. The next thing you know, you see Cable in a car going towards a tunnel with his family, and it goes to black. And it's just like... Are there any repercussions for anybody else in the corporate (laughs) world? How did the world react to Castle being dead after they got shown all of this information? What is going to happen? What's changing in this world? Are they going to tear down any of the things? How is society going to move forward? Fade to black, credits, play the music, it's over. Cable's free and that's all that matters. No, no, it's not. It was a horrible end to a really great movie. It gets three stars. I do have have one counterpoint on that one. Go go ahead. Okay, so counterpoints. The executives might have been getting controlled by Castle because he did have a broadcast that he could send to anyone in short vicinity. Or they could claim he did. Well, and actually, uh, my counter to the counter, kind of in support of what Jason said, but also not, is the fact that the story ended with Cable and Castle. Yeah. That yeah. was the story. Was I the, mean, realistically, the they shouldn't have put in that last, like, 30 seconds. If it did better in the box office, they could have had a second movie to explain everything else. I guess, but... Well, they yeah. wouldn't have. It, <laughs> that, that movie didn't need a sequel. Gamer 2, it the really Gamer yeah. it, it did not. What do you do? Put him back in the game, you know? Not Jeremy, only that, no, the person Castle's that develops tech the technology done. is Let's dead. Let's undo everything. <laughs> Those are the best sequels when you, like, invalidate everything the hero did the first one. Oh, like Ask, Ring 2? Uh, hmm. uh, yeah, well, for example. <laughs> Newt, yeah, I knew you were thinking I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> uh, but there's Sorry. people in our audience that got it just as fast, kid. Oh, All right. Uh, well, speaking of kid. Oh. Me. <laughs> yeah. What uh, score did Jason give? I missed that. Three, I'm sorry. Three. three. Ah, three I'm sorry. Um, I'm, I'm actually going to start before I do my thumbs up, thumbs down by saying uh, I think there was one tiny thing. And actually, no, I'm going to go straight into my thumbs up because this is one of them. Um, for my thumbs up, I'm actually picking some tiny little just details that were put in there that just made me really appreciate how much they were putting you into the world. 
Um, little things like when he goes to the rave and you see the quick shoot across the audience and there's the Newton's cradle of women in balls going back and forth. I was just like, oh man, that's awesome. Uh, and then one of them gets shot later, which, you know, even better. Right. Um, <laughs> but there was a one tiny little detail that I really appreciated when he kills Castle at the very end with his little power of suggestion, he shoves the knife in, Castle falls over. The One executive at the end looks up and goes, oops. And I was just, <laughs> that felt to me like these guys were looking for an out. They had been in over their head for some time now. They wanted out. But there was no way they were going to risk putting themselves up against Castle because they knew exactly how much power he had. And so when that guy saw his opportunity, I think he kind of edged the results a little to help him get his way out. And that's what that was. You know, oops, <laughs> uh, we accidentally didn't give the boss man the backup he needed to get out of the situation. And now he's dead. And oh, look, we're free. So I don't think they were under control, not the literal control that he had. I think that they were simply under the control that minions are always under the control of their masters, fear and consequences. And the chance to escape him when it popped up right in front of them, one guy was just like, you know, if this backfires on me, but I'm going to take the chance <laughs> because if he goes down here, we're out. And that was the feeling it left me with. It didn't you know, directly give you that. It was just like a hint, but I really loved that. Uh, the way this movie had so many layers that it slowly just kept stacking up as you go through it. I had no expectation of that coming in. And it just turned this from, uh, this is a fun movie about a subject that I'm interested in to, holy shit, they're, they're messing with us, man. Uh, so all of that being said, I have a couple of, of minor little uh, thumbs downs. One of them Jason touched on. Uh, I wasn't completely against the little glitchiness and stuff that was going on, but I felt like it was overdone to the point that it actually became a detriment. There were entire scenes, especially in the combat scenes, where I was really irritated that I couldn't get a better picture of what was going on, not because of the way they were flashing through, but because of the little glitches and you're in a computer simulation thing that they kept doing. And I was just like, you know, a little bit of that would have gone a long way as a lot of it is a problem. So that was a thumbs down Interesting for me. point. Yeah. Um, and then the other one was... Oh, it escapes me. Give me just a second. Um, I felt like one of the things this movie did was really stomp down and grind on the look how base and, and just messed up humanity is that this is the kind of thing and and that's that's not fiction you know if you've explored even just sticking your toe into the pool of some of the the muckiest stuff that goes on online that's not fiction at all in the gaming world not just on the the gaming world obviously the internet itself but i have i have stopped playing games that have huge amounts of real life people in them simply because that environment, it shows up everywhere. Toxicity, just complete disregard uh, and disrespect for other people's um, integrity or or uh, decency. It, it's 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 disgusting. I, I can't stand it. It takes away. I don't enjoy the games, even if the games are incredible. I don't enjoy being a part of the the, the community. 
You know, if it gives me the option to explore these games from a single player and I don't have to interact with people, I'll, I'll get in. If you have to interact with people and, and be exposed to that, though, that negativity and toxicity and just human disgustingness, I'm not interested. I've had all of that that I need for the rest of my life. Thank you very much. And this movie tickled that with me enough to make me not enjoy elements of the movie um, simply because they were pushing it and grinding on that so hard. And while I'm glad that they were presenting it for people who don't know it's like that out there, I, it took away from the experience for me a little bit. So all of that being said, I give the movie a solid four stars. It was much more than I thought I was getting into. And I am very grateful for Vanessa for finally getting a chance to experience this film. Cool. You're welcome. I, I would like to say, um, I feel like the, 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 the conceit um, in stories like this, which I, honestly, this story actually didn't do as 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 badly i think is that that humanity's predilection towards debauchery is so ingrained that it would consume mankind's preoccupation if it were given the opportunity is a very hard pill to swallow for me in a lot of in a lot of fiction and i think that has a lot to do with the society we live in now because there's a certain cushion between us and a lot of that baser nature as much as we want it you know the world we live in especially as americans we don't have to fight through a lot of baser issues to script by day to day most of the time most of us don't i don't know a, a simple majority i guess uh, but there are other stories of a similar quality some of the ones we mentioned like Running Man, where the sensation of the show is so huge that you get the impression that that's the kind of thing that draws society together. Or um, Hunger Games, another example I brought up earlier, where their society has fallen to the point where the Hunger Games are just one example of how that debauchery has played out in terms of the capital's gluttony and hubris. 100%, and yeah you know, you don't get the impression that there's a larger percentage of people out there in that world who are just kind of, well, that isn't me. I'm not interested in that. You know, the sensational of it is of sensationalism of it is part of the compulsion in the story. This could have been in this story. This could have been actually a lesser reflection. It could have been something that was sensationalized, but only actually attracted the interest of so many. You know, it could have been no larger a section, subsection of society that got involved in society, for example, or slayers that are currently already involved in things that are whatever the current modifications or, you know, um, descendants of like Second Life and, um, you know, Call of Duty are. There's just a certain quality to that that I find compelling but disingenuous. I don't it, it, it seems to like build on this idea that if we lived in Roman times, we would all be taken in by the gladiatorial games and the simple debauchery that was you know resplendent for people that could afford it or wanted to forget what their normal that's part of it, right? It's like how if you live in poverty, especially how terrible your regular life is. Give me an escape from that. Give me something to cheer from, even if that's getting somebody torn limb to limb from, you know, by by tigers in the pit. Because hey, they're criminals anyway, right? Or something, or they volunteered for this, you know, for the yeah. chance to do something great. Um, it has a little bit of that, that gladiatorial kind of 
a quality to it. And a battle royale as a central piece in a story is always uh, a little challenging for me anyway, because it's it's not something I find compelling as a general rule in storytelling. Um, I enjoyed this movie. I give it five stars. Like, you know, the Eric of old. Before Exposition <laughs> Street tried to ruin him. It's nice to have you back. Fuck yeah! I continually right. say this movie did better in ratings than I was expecting it to. That <laughs> actually, that actually took it to four and a quarter stars, um, which does mean it's it's highly recommended. But yes, definitely if you have triggers, especially on violence or sex, you will want to look at your warnings before watching it. A hundred percent. Otherwise, watch it. Please watch it. <laughs> Well, what do we got coming up for our next program, Jason? We are going to do my selection, which is going to be totally different than this week. We are going back to the late 80s, early 90s with Joe versus the Volcano. Ooh, oh, thank you. I've never seen. Me either. Oh, that's ought to be fun. That actually, I think, will be fun. To that movie's a little bit of a sleeper. As I recall, it had some pacing elements I think might have actually challenged me to not be asleep. <laughs> I remember enjoying it quite a bit. Uh, yeah, it's one of my favorites of all time. Cool. There we go. Well, everybody make sure to watch that before we get together for the next episode. So, uh, Thanks, guys. Thank you for your input. It was really fun talking about this one. Vanessa, I think it was a great choice. Appreciate it, as always. And everybody watch Joe vs. Volcano before the next show. Go ahead and get on out of here for today. If you have anything you'd like to recommend, once again, feedback at prismaticsunami.com is the best place to do it. For Rich, for Jason, for Vanessa and the kid, my name is Eric. Everybody have a fantastic week. We'll see you then on Exposition Street. Drop some lead on those motherfuckers! Somebody get that man away from my cocaine. <laughs>